Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, our Milwaukee basketball insider for the season, Eric Name. You follow along with his coverage of your Milwaukee Bucks at Eric underscore Name. No, he was on last week, but uh, Gary and I talked to him because everybody else was up. Oh, was I What's going on, Eric? Oh, it don't count, dude. Oh, not, not much. No, it, it doesn't count, Loretta. It don't. I mean, because you're my friend. I don't know what these, these media people, man. I don't know what's going on. Well, Eric, I got to ask you, what what's going on with the Bucks not being able to to get out and transition and close out these 19, 20-point leads? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing right now is if you look at this team, I, I just started at The Athletic. Uh, my latest article there talks a little bit about this. They're not. Last year, they shot a bunch of threes. Like that, that part of Mike Boonholzer's offense is undeniable. But they also lived at the rim. Like they took forty percent of their shots at the rim last year. This year, that number is down to thirty percent. It's the lowest number in the entire league. So they have the Greek freak, the dude that lives at the rim more than anyone else. The offense that had all the dunks, all the points in the paint, and now it doesn't have those. And you know, as you're trying to hold down a lead, you got to keep getting those easy buckets. You got to keep being able to find a way to make it simple, right? And instead, it's shooting a lot more threes. They're up to almost 50% of their shots are threes this year. And that can be unsustainable. You can go through those moments where you're hot from three, which that's how you get a big lead. And you can go through those moments where you're cold from three, which is how you lose a big lead. So. They have to find ways to do all those other things that are a little bit more sustainable than three-point shooting, uh, and they're, they're really struggling with that right now. So, Eric, you know, people have been all over this about, well, you know, that Raptors series, it showed how to slow the Bucks down when they lost uh, those four straight games and how to deny rim uh, penetration or whatever else, people getting to the rim. Uh, and then you hear Bucks players saying, yeah, but they've had film on us all last year. They could have made that adjustment. What do you read into that? Uh, yeah, there's only a couple teams that can throw out the defensive personnel that the Raptors had last year. So I don't think the league is figuring them out. I just think this isn't the same team as last year. And I've, I've gotten yelled at many times by Bucks fans by, about bringing up his name. But, you know, they don't have Malcolm Brogdon on the team anymore. Who's playing really, really well. He is, and I don't want to say, like, if you had him, he'd average 20 in time like he is in Indiana. Obviously, right. he's getting a ton of opportunities as the number one guy. But one thing that Malcolm Brogdon did consistently last year, and he isn't the best guy in the league at it. He doesn't finish the best at the rim, but he got to the rim. He drove a lot. Last year, he averaged 10 drives per game. And the Bucks just don't have that third driver right now. They have Giannis. They have Eric Bledsoe. And their drive numbers look pretty much the exact same as last year. But now they don't have that third guy. And what they've kind of replaced all of it with is quick threes, which, you know, I think everyone was hoping, okay, bring in Wesley Matthews. Okay, he's not going to drive as much as Malcolm, but he's going to shoot more threes. Same thing with Kyle Korver. You can make up for Malcolm with, with uh, you know, the way that he got to the rim and the way he created things by shooting more threes. And maybe you can. Maybe that will be the case. But right now I think you're seeing – 
a drive doesn't always equal points. A drive equals the offense being more threatening. It equals having more stuff for other teams to cover. Because right now, teams, when they see this Bucks team, know that they can't let Giannis get to the rim. They know that they can sag off Eric Bledsoe and make sure that he doesn't get to the rim. And then everyone else can shoot threes, which has led to a lot of open threes. The Bucks get a lot of really good looks at threes, but also threes are harder to make than layups. Like that, that is just the, the basic, simple kind of logic behind all this. So the Bucks have to find a way to get that offense moving some more. And I don't know if that's a different player. I don't know if that means Dante DiVincenzo should start seeing some more time as someone that can do a little bit more off the dribble. I don't know if that's telling Wesley Matthews to dribble a little bit more. I, I don't know what exactly that adjustment is at the moment, but the way this offense looks right now, it doesn't look like something that can really be sustainable. And it's also hurting the defense. Long rebounds on threes mean easy transition opportunities. And the the sequence I highlighted in my last article was that third quarter against Boston. They just kept chucking up threes. And were they good looks? Yeah, most of them. But there just wasn't that easy layup, that easy bucket that could just stop a run from the Celtics. And the Celtics kind of turned it all around in that third quarter as they kept bombing away from three and missing those threes. So we're, we're four games in, and, and it feels like Pack and Packer, it feels like Bucks Nation is, is kind of freaking out. Are, are, is this really much to do about nothing? Does it feel different to you? Or what, what's your thoughts on just only four games? I don't think that with fans, obviously, there is some panic, and you're trying to figure out exactly what this team is. The team is not all that concerned about it. Uh, I think they believe that they're going to find their groove and, and figure all this out. But I do think it really is worth knowing that this is, this is a different team this year, that you don't get to just take along all of the good vibes and everything that you had from that 61 team. It's, it's not the same team. And uh, offensively, they're doing things differently. Defensively, they're doing things about the same. Uh, and everything looks about the same defensively. So I, I don't think that side of the ball is a huge concern at the moment. I know a lot of Bucks fans, every time I bring up the offense, want to say, oh, it's the defense. They're giving up too much of this or that. But the defense looks pretty much the same. So I think it is about figuring it out offensively, and those two things kind of move together in concert. So if you get a little bit better offensively, you get a little bit better defensively, and then all of a sudden this team looks like the best team in the league again. But at the moment, through the first four games, it doesn't look like that team. Talking with Eric Name, you follow along his great coverage all season long. Beat writer for the Milwaukee Bucks, Eric at or at Eric underscore Name uh, on Twitter. Our Milwaukee basketball insider here on the Fan, Eric. They just haven't been able to get out and run in transition, seemingly to the other night in that second, and that happens when the other team is scoring seventy four points and a half. Like the amount of made shots are going to limit your transition opportunities. But I'm wondering with this shooting guard depth that they have, you still haven't really seen any burn from Sterling Brown. Any any real run from Dante or or DJ Wilson? Is it because they want to get the veterans that they brought in in the offseason more established early, and we'll see some of those minutes pick up a little bit later on in the year? I think with Bud, he's not overly reactionary, and obviously a lot of Bucks fans are now screaming at the radio. Of course, you know, oh for sure, adjustment. yeah, for uh, sure. But it, it it's not quite that with Bud. I just think he tends to take his time as he works through what that adjustment should be. So I think last year it took, a, I think it was like the eighth or ninth game of the year when Pat Connaughton got entered into the rotation. So I think with most of, most of this stuff, it's going to take like 
six or seven, maybe eight games before Bud's like, all right, whatever we're doing right now isn't working because he likes to kind of see what it looks like for an extended period and not make a rush judgment where, you know, after four games, you know, maybe in two of those games a guy didn't shoot particularly well or something like that where you're going to make that change too quick. He likes to take his time with it and, you know, it is an 82-game schedule, so you do have time. Uh, so I, I don't know if we're going to see any of those guys either tonight in Orlando or tomorrow night back here in Milwaukee against the Raptors. Like, I don't think the rotation will change before then, but I think after that, as they go through that West Coast trip, maybe that's where you start to see some changes if things don't get any better. But also, they could crush the the Magic tonight and beat the Raptors tomorrow, and then they're 4-2 and two and everything looks pretty much back to normal. So we'll just have to see what happens. But Bud isn't, uh, to me, I'd be surprised if tonight is the night that, you know, there are pretty serious changes in the rotation. They can easily go and win 10 straight and everything is fine. But I want to get to a few things. Now, I I know Boudin don't need me to tell him anything. I'm just a football guy, but I'm a big George Hill guy. Maybe put him in the starting lineup and have Matthews come off the bench. But my question is, is there something going on with, uh, Bledsoe and Boston, it's just something about playing them. He can never get to where he wants to be and be the player that we know he can be. Or oh, it's just a, I mean, it's just, just kind of coincidence every now and then. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think Brad Stevens is a really good coach. And of the coaches in the league, I think he's really good at taking away a player's tendencies. Obviously, we see that with Giannis every time that the Celtics play the Bucks, But they do a really nice job with Bledsoe. Like they just make sure that they wall off that paint, and they might disrespect him from the three-point line more than just about anyone in the league. Um, outside of uh, kind of what we saw with the Raptors last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, like they just don't respect him out there. And the Bledsoe is one of those guys that when you don't respect him out there, he's going to try a couple threes and. You know, if they go in, then all of a sudden he's going to live off that disrespect and say, all right, if you're not going to cover me, I'm going to keep knocking these down. But if he misses those two, well, then it's, well, I'm not going to shoot these anymore because your disrespect is right. And it, it can kind of mess with his confidence a little bit. And the Celtics are just really good at that. They, they've messed with him now for two years. I guess this is, would be the third year that they're doing it. But they just have a, a really nice game plan against him, and Steven schemes him really well. So I would say it's not a coincidence that against the Celtics uh, he has those struggles. Is it too early to know if Giannis's outside shot has gotten any better or improved? Because I'm in the the, the wheelhouse of I don't care what he does. Just score 30 points. I'm not interested in him shooting threes from the elbow, get in the paint and dominate. When he's in the paint, he's the best we've ever seen since Shaq. I, I just think that I've seen some people saying something about his shot. I'm like, it shouldn't be an issue. Just do what you do. They got enough shooters on the team. They don't need another one. They need somebody to continue to dominate. He won MVP this way. Don't try to change. Just be who you are in the paint, in and around the bucket. That's what I care about. Yeah, I, I think with Giannis, it's uh, for me, I don't really believe anything is going to change with his jump shot until it changes. And, and again, that's a really silly thing to say, but like he, he's he's at prove it territory for me. Like I, he has to prove it for a month, two months that that jump shot is there before I'm actually going to believe it. So a couple games 
doesn't really do a, a whole lot for me for believing whether or not that shot is there. And I think with him taking those jumpers, I think the big thing that they want to get out of him is just having more confidence from him in those in those areas. And I'm going to be really interested to see if they ask him to do it more from the mid-range because that is something that Giannis talked a lot about after they lost to the Raptors was that, you know, I got to find a shot that I can be real comfortable with. And, you know, they have him taking the three and – I think that's, you know, it's a great one to get more comfortable with. Obviously, I'm going to take, as a nerd, I'm going to take threes over long twos all day. Like, that, that's a better shot. But the big thing is he has to feel comfortable in those situations when teams really put up the wall and make it really tough on him. And if he's not going to feel that way from the three-point line, well, then maybe you do have to move him in and make it the mid-range. Like, you have to have that counter for when he can't get to the basket, when there is a matchup that's too good or a defense that is too committed to him that he can find something else. So uh, I think it's it's a valuable tool, and I think the time to experiment it with all of that is the regular season because you want him comfortable with it once the postseason comes around. But I, I do think, to your point, Leroy, like, you have to figure out is the three the shot that he wants in that moment? Is that the right. is that the shot that mm-hmm. he's going to be comfortable with in that moment? Because if it's not, then you have to work on a different one during the regular season. But you have to work on it during the regular season so that when it becomes playoff time and you need that shot, he can hit that shot against the league's best defenses. Eric, appreciate it, man. We'll talk next week, Thursday, uh, 448. Thanks appreciate lot, the Eric. flexibility, man, and uh, glad you got home safe. No, sounds good. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Take no, it I easy, man. It. I That's Eric's book, name. by the way. He had a book. Yeah, 100 uh, things Bucks fans should do before they die. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.